I think that was it. All right, back to my story. Um, one of my favorite stories is about G. Campbell Morgan. G. Campbell Morgan, he was a pastor, theologian. He lived in London. He had four preacher sons. And they went to a reunion, and they were, they were asked this question, who is the greatest preacher in the family? And all of them pointed to mom. I love that, right? They all pointed to mom. Well, today is Mother's Day, and uh, it's, a, it's a day to, to honor moms. And we want to thank you for, for your investment, for your love, for your, the energy that you bring to the family, to the home. Today... Um, I just want to give a simple word to parents, right? It's going to be a shorter message today, so um, don't, don't be alarmed, okay? Um, let's just pull out your notes. Let's dive into it. I've got a few points. Number one, your children are on loan to you from God. And I, and I think this is foundational, right, for our understanding about when it comes to parenting, right? When it comes to what does the Bible say about being a parent and God's gifts and his goodness to us? Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the, of the womb, a reward. Now, your translations may say, children are a gift of the Lord. A, a, a gift from who? Psalm 127 says, a gift from God. James Dobson said, a heritage is, is what you give to someone. A legacy is what you do in someone. You know, God is the author of life. Make no mistake about it. The Bible's really clear about that. He opens and he closes the womb. He is the one who gives life. I want to just um, shotgun, maybe rifle some passages your way. So if you have your message notes, pull, pull these out. Let's look at them. I don't, I don't have them on the screen for you. Genesis 4.1. Uh, now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have obtained a male child with the help of the Lord. Notice that. The help of the Lord. Genesis 21, 1 to 3. Really, it's talking about Abraham, the great patriarch, the great man of faith, and Sarah's wife. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So he took note of her, and, and then he delivers on his word. That's the God we serve. He delivers on his promises. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abram. In his old age, at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham named his son uh, who was born to him, the son whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. They were well advanced in age, right? Anybody want to have children, maybe 90 years old, maybe up, okay, maybe not. Uh, Genesis chapter 25, 19 to 21. Now these are the records of the generations of Isaac. Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children, and the Lord answered him, and his wife Rebekah conceived. Genesis 29, 31. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. So, uh, so Isaac and Rebekah have Jacob and Esau, twins. Jacob marries Leah and Rachel, and it says, the, the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was unable to have children. Genesis 30, 1 and 2. Now, when Rachel saw that she had not borne Jacob any children, she became jealous uh, of her sister, and she said to Jacob, give me children, or else I'm going to die. Notice Jacob's response. 
Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Genesis 30, 22 to 24, then God remembered Rachel. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? God remembered Rachel. And God listened to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and gave birth to a son and and said, God has taken away my disgrace. And she named him Joseph, saying, may the Lord give me another son. Genesis 33, 5 really is is really uh, talking about many, many years later, many years later, uh, after Jacob tricked his brother Esau out of the birthright and the blessing, you know the whole story, and Jacob was... uh, he was a deceiver. That's what his name means. He, was, uh, he, he, he went from being the deceiver to being deceived by Laban, his father-in-law. You know, he thought he was big-time stuff until he met Laban, right? Laban was like varsity deception. Jacob was like junior, like freshman team deceiver, right? And Laban schooled him for like 14 years. I think God was trying to teach Jacob some things. And, and then later in life, Jacob has family, Esau has family, and, and after all these years, there's this, they meet each other. They see each other for the, for the first time, and it says, he raised his eyes and saw the women and the children, and he said, so Esau said, who are these with you? So Jacob said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on, right? I, I really just gave you a few snapshots in Genesis. Children are a gift from the Lord. The Bible also says that God determines the length of our days. Job 1.21 says, And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's, it's easy when the Lord gives, right? It's harder when the Lord takes away. You know, you don't determine the date of your birth. You don't determine the date of your death. God determines both of those. But what you do determine is what you're going to do between those dates. That, that's, that's your decision. Corey Ten Boom said, the measure of a life, after all, is not its duration, but its donation. So how are you living life, right? Are you donating? Are you investing? Are you intentional about living for, for God? You know, when it comes to, to parenting, parenting really is a, is a matter of stewardship because if, if children are a gift from the Lord, then parents are stewards. Children are on loan to us from God. Now, a steward is different from an owner. The owner is, is the person who's in charge, who's sovereign, in control, owns it all, whether it's money, property, or possessions, Everything belongs to the owner. The steward manages the possessions, the real estate. Um, it doesn't belong to them. So give, they give oversight. They're carefully, now this is important, they're carefully taking care of someone else's stuff. Actually, a steward back in the day, like kind of like the old English word steward was about someone who cared for like someone's family. They prepped meals. They took care of cleaning. They took care of the grounds. They, they managed the estate to, make, to, to free up the, the, the parents, the owners, right? So God, the Bible tells us that the earth belongs to the Lord and everything therein. So God is the owner of it all, including your children. 
Your children are on loan to you from God. They don't belong to you. They belong to Jesus. God loans them out to you. And you are called to be stewards, to manage, to carefully care, to love, to pass down your faith to them. They belong to Jesus. They don't belong to you. Here's point number two. Children are a blessing, not a burden. Why do I say that? Because if you look at um, the end of Psalm 127, verse 3, after it says, children are a heritage or a gift from the Lord, notice the, the next phrase, the fruit of, of the womb, a reward. I read some, no, I'm not. The fruit of the womb is a reward. We are seeing a shift in our culture. Kids are not seen as a blessing. Kids are rather seen today as a burden. You know, couples are choosing not to have kids. There's a big shift on our culture right now. Uh, came across um, a survey last year, actually, 2021, uh, a new Pew Research Center survey that indicates there's a rising number of adults that are unlikely to ever have children. Check this out. 44% of non-parents ages 18 to 49, 44% let me read that again. 44% of non-parents ages 18 to 49 say it is not too likely or not at all likely that they will have children someday. That's a 7% increase from 2018. The survey cites the reasons for why they don't want to have kids. You guys want to hear them? Some of them I thought were interesting. 19% say it's due to medical reasons. Okay, that's, that's legit. 17% Say it's for financial reasons. You ain't never going to have enough money, right? I mean, don't let that stop you. You're just never going to have enough money. 15% say it's because they do not have a partner. 10% say their age or their partner's age. 9% say the state of the world is a reason they, they don't plan to have kids. 5% cite environmental reasons, including climate change. 2% say their partner doesn't want children. Let me give you... Another reason that I, I don't think really is highlighted on the survey, people see kids as a burden, not a blessing, right? Why do I say that? Because I think people see kids as, oh, they're expensive. They're exhausting. I mean, when you have kids, to some degree, you can kiss your freedom goodbye. And, and moms, I might, I, I'm prefacing by saying I, I should get a few amens. I think moms lose their identity as a person for multiple seasons, right? It's easy to kind of lose yourself as you're investing in your kids, right? It's about them, not you. You quickly learn what it means to be selfless when, when you have kids. And, and, and the icing on the cake, I think, is this. God humbles you in more ways than you can ever imagine. Because when you become a parent, you learn very quickly, it is not about you. It is about them. It's about the next generation. It's about you pouring your life into them, you pouring your heart into them, you passing your faith down to them, you instilling values, you living out your faith. It's about them. And that's why God says, listen, it's all a gift. It's on loan to you from me. Here's the third point. Lay the spiritual foundation for your children. Lay the spiritual foundation for your children. I, I was gonna kind of craft it this way, own the responsibility. Like you gotta own it. 
Like God, God tells us very clearly in his word, here's what I want you to do, right? With a lot of parenting, with parenting, there's, there's a lot of gray area, you know? Like the Bible gives principles on how we should parent and, and, and model and teach our kids, but the Bible's not clear on the particulars you know, the, the daily grind, the things that we face as parents, but the Bible is emphatically clear about laying down the spiritual foundation for your kids. Ephesians chapter six, verse four says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, it is so easy to hear this verse and it's easy to camp out on that first statement, right? To, to really think about that. Do not provoke your children to anger. And we stop there. It's, yeah, we, we got to soak that in. It's Mother's Day, but Dad's like, come on. You're, you're, you are called by God not to stir, to provoke your children to anger unnecessarily, right? The Bible says bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So moms and dads, God has called you to pass your faith down to them. Paul tells us bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What does it mean? Teach them about God. Your job as a parent, and I, and I, would, I, would, I would even say, listen, your job as a grandparent, right? Because you're, you're still parenting, and in, in a sense, you're, you're parenting grandchildren in a different sense, right? But you're laying, you're, you're, you're giving an investment. You're passing down a legacy of faith to your grandkids. Your job is to pass the knowledge of God to your kids and to show them what God is like before they have the ability to know God themselves. Like, how do you do that? Two ways, teach and model, teach and model. You speak about who God is. You speak about who God is. You speak about what he is like. So you talk about God. You, you tell your kids that God is holy, that God is everlasting, that God is powerful, that God is loving, that God is kind, that God is gracious, that God is forgiving, that God is patient, he's long-suffering, and he's merciful. And then you model what God is like. You, you model some of these attributes to your kids. I mean, how does a, a child know about love. How does a child know about forgiveness or, or grace or kindness? They have to see it with their own eyes. And, and, and the best way for them to see it is to see it in your life, to see it in how you respond to them, how you react to them, how you speak to them, how you deal with them. And, and it's a beautiful picture of, of what God is like to us. That God is gracious, he's patient, he's kind, he's forgiving, he's long-suffering. So we're modeling what God is like. We're modeling these, these attributes of God. You know, your, your actions point to a good, perfect, heavenly father. Let me, let me make this comment. And I want to encourage you to write this down. I want, you to, I, want, I want you to write it down. I want you to think about this week. But this is not on the TV screens, okay? No, no fill in the blank. The goal of parenting... Let me make sure I get this exactly right. The goal of parenting is not to raise a good moral kid. That's not the goal of parenting. I knew I was going to preach at some point. The goal of parenting is not to raise a good moral kid. The goal of parenting is to raise a worshiper of Jesus. 
That's the goal. That's the end game. Now listen, you know, parents, you know, we all get hung up. Listen, I mean, do I pray for my kids' character, their conduct, right, their future spouse, their salvation? Absolutely. But we can get so hung up on our kids doing all the right things, saying all the right things. Listen, morality is good. Good morals, it's a good thing. Teach those things, instill those values. But at the end of the day, what matters most is that your kid loves Jesus. So parents, your, your greatest ministry assignment is not to the church. Your greatest ministry assignment is to your kids. As a parent, you are the first pastor to your kids. Nothing is more weighty. Nothing's more significant. Nothing is more lasting than that. You are the first pastor. You are the first one preaching the gospel to your kids. You're the first one modeling the gospel to your kids, showing your kids what the gospel is all about. You know, as, as parents, we need to live with a long view perspective, not a short view perspective. What do I mean by that? Long view perspective is heaven. Short view perspective is here and now. It's easy to parent with the short view, right? Always looking to the next season. I mean, it's the trap, man. As a parent, you have kids, it's all, you're looking to the next stage, when they're gonna be bigger, when they're gonna be older. We, we move our kids through these stages, right? Okay, they're an infant, but very soon they're gonna be a toddler. And then they become a toddler, and, and then you're, you're wishing, okay, they're going to be a, a preschooler, you know, and, and they're going to hit kindergarten, and then you're gonna, they're going to be elementary. Okay, they're going to move from elementary to middle school and then high school, and then they're going to leave the house. And it's just going to be great, right? I mean, it probably is great, right? There's pros and cons to it. But um, we, we, we're living for the next season. It's short view, next season, next stage. Wishing the next, the next will come, right? But the long view perspective, let me say this. As we move through the stages, we may not be intentional about what's ma what matters the most. What matters the most? As you're moving through these stages, you're giving your kids Jesus. That's what matters most. You know, two things that I have, two things that I have said since my kids were little. I mean, if, if they've heard it once, they've heard it a million times. Be a leader, love Jesus. Be a leader, love Jesus. I'd drop them off at school, and right before they get out of the car, I'd say, be a leader, not a follower, and love Jesus. And then they'd get out of the car, and they'd start walking away, and I'd roll down the window, be a leader, not a follower, love Jesus. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. You know, long view perspective, parent with eternity in mind. Shape your kids spiritually with heaven in mind. This is the long view perspective. I love what Jonathan Edwards said, you know, the great reformer. He said, oh God, stamp eternity upon my eyeballs. When you parent, parent with eternity etched on your mind. Our prayer for our kids should be, God, bring or stamp eternity upon my eyeballs as I raise these kids for you. Because these are your kids. These are, these are your gifts to me. I've been entrusted with these precious lives. You know, eternity is the end game. All of life should be lived with eternity in view. If you're a parent, that's the long view perspective. You know, Mark Twain, he said this, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. 
So throw off the, the bow line, sell away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. I, I got to thinking, what are you, what, what are you and I not doing today that we're gonna regret tomorrow? That we're gonna regret tomorrow. Leaving a legacy of faith, leaving a, a heritage of faith to the next generation begins with you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the, the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You know, there are so many things you can leave your kids, right? I mean, if I, we, if I just kind of threw it out there, we'd get a lot of different answers. You can leave a good name. Proverbs talks about that, right? A good name is as precious as gold and silver. Like, that's a big deal, a good name. A, a name that really... Um, embodies godliness and righteousness um, that, that, that speaks of integrity. You can leave um, a retirement portfolio. You can leave materialistic possessions. You can leave money, which gives your kids opportunities, but it's not gonna give them joy. It's gonna give them opportunities, but not deep-seated joy. That's a fruit of the spirit. Only God can give deep-seated joy. The most important thing you can leave your kids is a heritage of faith. A heritage of faith begins with you. Did you notice what this famous passage, what it says? You, you shall love the Lord your God. It doesn't say your kids shall love the Lord your God. I mean, it does imply that later on, but it starts with you as the parent, it starts with me as a parent. You know, you may be sitting here this morning and you don't have believing parents. Like there's not a faith family tree that you can point to. Like you don't come from a, a family of faith and godly values. And, and maybe that, that's tripped you up. Maybe that's, that, that's kind of hung you up a little bit. And that, you know, look, looking, on your, looking at your family, you're like, man, I, you know, you know, I don't have a mom and dad that were believers. But here's the deal. By the grace of God, if you're a believer, you can start that faith family tree today. You are starting that. As you're having kids and you're passing your faith down to them, you're shaping the next generation. You're touching the ages and you don't even realize it. Because your kids, if you tell your kids about Jesus and they follow Jesus with genuine saving faith and then they grow up and they get married and they have kids and they tell their kids, your grandkids about Jesus and then the grandkids, they get they are raised and they get married and, you know, and they pass down their faith. Then your great-grandkids are coming to faith in Christ. You don't even realize it. But, but believing and instilling your faith values to your kids, you're touching the ages. You're, you're changing generations with the gospel. You shall love the Lord your God. It starts with you. It starts with you loving God. Love God with your heart and love God with your soul and love God with your, with, your, with your mind. You know, you can't hand off the baton of faith if the baton of faith is not in your hands. You know, I, 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 I give the example of, um, of running a relay race when I talk about parenting because I think it's a beautiful image of what parenting is all about. You've got to hand off the baton of faith 
Timing's got to be right. And when, ta- when your kids take the baton and they start running, is the race over for you? No. You stand there and you cheer. You cheer. Hebrew says that there's a, a cloud of witnesses. Now, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe the Old Testament saints are cheering us on. Maybe, maybe not. But the Bible is clear that we are running a race. And your kids are going to be running the race. And we got to cheer each other on. We're instructed to pass down two things. Pass down the knowledge of God and the love of God. As parents, we should be passing to our kids a deep love for God's word and a desire to follow God's heart. Did you notice what the verse said? These things I command you today shall be on your heart. If these things are not on your heart, they're not going to be on the heart of your kids. If you don't love God, how can you expect that your kids are going to love God? If you're not committed to the local church and and investing in, in, in kingdom work, how can you expect your kids to invest in kingdom work? If you're not giving to the church, how do you expect your kids to be givers and living with open hands? If you're not worshiping Jesus, if you're not all in serving him, realizing that life is so temporal and fleeting and momentary your kids are not going to live with the same perspective it all begins with you with me we have to model our faith we've got to pass our faith down to our kids legacies they do not come from words they come from actions and what's real is transferable it has to be transferred from your heart to their heart you know i love what abraham lincoln said He said that you can fool all of the people some of the time, some of the people all of the time, but you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. And I started thinking about our kids. You can't fool your kids all the time because more is caught than is taught. They're watching. You know, your kids, they're like little prison inmates. They're watching you, right? Prison inmates are always watching, always listening. Your kids, they're catching everything. They see everything. Even when you don't realize they're watching, they're watching, right? And so we carry this huge weight and responsibility to pass down our faith to our kids. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. It says this, and Joshua is standing before the people. It's the end of the book of Joshua. And uh, they've already moved into the promised land. And this is what he tells them. He gives them this charge. He gives them this challenge. And and as we're reading God's word, I want you to put yourself there. I'm going to give you the context in a second, and then the message will will be over. So hang on real quick. A few more minutes. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. You know, Moses leads God's people out of slavery in Egypt, over 400 years of slavery. Moses, he's God's man. He leads God's people for 40 years in the wilderness. But because Moses struck the rock, he was not allowed to take the people into the promised land. So his assistant Joshua becomes the successor. And God tells Joshua, you know, take my people, cross the Jordan, Go into the land that I am giving the people of Israel. And God made promises to Joshua. 
God said, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. At the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua stands before the people because when they moved into the land, you know, they kind of blended in. They, they weren't fully devoted to what God had told them to do. They, they, they demonstrated partial obedience. Partial obedience is total disobedience. So God said, here's what I want you to do, and they didn't do it. They didn't clear everybody out of the land. So they go into the land, they're not fully obedient, um, wholly committed to the Lord, and so the people are, they start worshiping the false gods and idols of, of the land. There was, it was syncretism run amok. I mean, really, really bad. People were um, worshiping false gods. And so Joshua stands before the people and he says, choose this day whom you will serve. You can serve the false gods that you, you, your, your, your grandpa, your great-grandfather, grandfather worshiped back in Egypt, or you can worship the gods of this land. And notice what he says next. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Moms, dads. If you are declaring what Joshua declared so many years ago, praise God. If you're not declaring it, decide today that you are going to declare to your family, to your kids, that today we are going to passionately pursue God. We're going to love God, the God of the Bible. We're going to serve him and love him. And, and you know, the last time I checked, looking at this passage, Joshua never said, hey, kids, you guys want to chime in on this one? He never did. Like, he wasn't giving the kids a vote. He said, as for me and my house. He, he was stepping up to be the spiritual leader. We're going to do what's right. We're going to serve God. We're going to be in church. He took upon the spiritual mantle and he said, my family's going to serve God. And so here's the question to all the parents in the room. Do you want your kids to know Jesus and do you want your kids to love Jesus and follow Jesus? And the answer, if the answer is yes, then the next question is, you need to follow Jesus first. Legacy begins with you. The heritage of faith, the faith family tree begins with you. If you say, as Joshua said, today we will serve the Lord, God can bless that. You can shape the next generation. So stay at it. Stay faithful. Keep serving God. And God will bless you and your family. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word, God. Lord, help us to understand how important the family unit is, God. You have given us the, the structure of a family, the structure of a home, God, you've made it so clear in your word that moms and dads are called to pass down their faith to their kids. God, I pray for the fathers in this room that they would step up and be like Joshua. And they would declare, today, my family's gonna serve God. I pray for the moms here this morning that have so much influence in the home upon their kids and their husband. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom 
you would give them endurance and strength as they're pouring their life and their heart into their kids and their family, Lord. God, I pray that you would do a work, God, in the, the families represented here, that you would do a work in our church. Lord, that the parents here today would realize that their kids are a gift from you. They're a gift from your gracious hand and they're on loan to them. Help them to steward that time well, to be intentional about passing their faith down. God, I pray that you would challenge hearts this morning. Help us, Lord, to, to love you with all of our hearts so that our kids will grow up and love you with all of their heart. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. Lord God, we thank you for the moms this morning, for their love, for their wisdom, uh, for their selflessness, for their devotion, God, to you. Devotion that has set an example for their husbands and their kids, God. Bless this day, and we pray this in Christ's name. All God's people said, amen.